Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. As we get set for the next week of baseball playoffs, the next round as we look at the divisional round, and it is true to the name uh, <laughs> as we look at four uh, wonderful matchups. Uh, I already told Corey off air that uh, no matter what happens out of these games, the ALCS, the NLCS, or the World Series, none of them will have as compelling of matchups as what we're looking at this week. I think the best baseball you're going to watch in the playoffs is this week. We'll break down those games in uh, just a little bit. Uh, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn for all of your snacking needs for movies and baseball games, playoff games of choice. Come hungry, leave happy. There's only a few more weeks left of the bl- baseball season and only a few more weeks left of the popcorn season. I think I planned that or something. I didn't. Honestly, I did not. But no, two more weekends, and this one, it's getting busier, and fall is hitting Wisconsin now, and the weather's actually getting really nice around here again. This week, they're expecting a lot of sunshine. We're going to creep back up to 70 70. degrees. So uh, we have uh, some good weather uh, in front of us. Uh, but as we, uh, the plan for this podcast is we're going to give some uh, news and notes on uh, a few happenings in the this past week. Uh, we're going to break down or have the recaps from the, the wild card round, uh, and then we will preview uh, this upcoming week's divisional round. So let's start with news and notes. Uh, we have uh, something that hasn't happened in baseball all year. There will be fans in the, not this round, but the next round and World Series is what's being planned. Only in the National League Championship Series. So those are the ones in Texas, which is where the World Series is being held. They are MLB announced that will make 11,500 tickets available, 10,550 fans throughout the park, and then 950 in the suites. You have to wear a mask except you're eating and drinking. And all I can say is it's not much of a bubble when you let people in. The, the bubble wrestling and then also the... I, I get it. These, these things are built for... Many more fans where you can oh, yeah. try to spread out. I get the concept. I get in theory mm-hmm. that this could work. Uh, but again, baseball saw things get derailed in the first couple of weeks when it's easier when you can find people and you can uh, keep people or watch them get kicked down to the minor leagues for not following rules. Yeah, you can kick people out of these games, but too little too late by uh, by that yep. point. There's a lot on the line here, so it is definitely a risk. Uh, but again, everyone it's more revenue for everyone, players and owners and stuff within it, so you know that's why it's there. Fans obviously want to have a chance to be connected to it, uh, but yeah, does the... Uh, uh, does the risk outweigh uh, the the potential uh, positive? And, and uh, yeah, I think I know where we theoretical stand on this, on this is. Let's say the Dodgers make it to the World Series. I think that's certainly a possibility. And I don't need to hear that a fan got in there and for whatever reason, you know, the air's circulating. It has to circulate somehow. And suddenly Clayton Kershaw has COVID nineteen and he can't pitch in the World Series. I don't want to hear that. I don't want this to decide the World Series. I want to see baseball. So. Praying that it works out. Now the NFL had two great weeks, and now they started allowing some fans in. And the Chiefs have the Chiefs are going to play it later because Cam Newton's got it, and the Titans are not playing because 
it's spread more rampantly there. It's sounding like it's a lot like Major League Baseball, oh. though, at the beginning where people were a little more lax uh, and potential crackdowns coming tighten as a result of it. Tighten up on your protocols, yep. people. Tighten. Those enforce are set for them. a reason. Exactly. Enforce them is the biggest thing because uh, there's always people who think they're above the rules or the rules don't apply to me, and then you have situations like this. Uh, so they're going to have to do as they're following, they're mirroring baseball completely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens with I hope fans. it works out, but I was not expecting to hear that. I'll say that. Uh, a couple of, uh, uh, for other teams, you know, at this point you get uh, – uh, retirements, you get uh, uh, different job transitions. There's certain things that always uh, happen as we're in the off season for everyone else. And so Francisco Cervelli, longtime uh, catcher, uh, Yankees, uh, especially with the, uh, uh, pirates. the pirates. Yeah. Hey, I can still get a Pirates positive in here. Some yeah. of his best years uh, yeah. were with uh, the Pirates. He did very, very well with them. Bounced around a little bit at the end of his career, but uh, – uh, a very he's, good catcher. He's still playing now, so he's at the, he, he's on the Marlins right now. So he's officially said he's retiring after the year. It's the plan, and I think he might actually be hurt right now. So maybe he's not. Yeah, he announced it in an Instagram post. Uh, yeah, bounced around the league, thirteen-year career. Like you said, solid, correct catcher. Never an all-star, but certainly someone that you'd be happy to have on your team. A lot of those teams, solid winning teams. Uh, definitely banked well uh, in the second half of his career. Started out kind of as a backup catcher, then finally got his chance to shine. And, uh, again, uh, nothing flashy, but it was nope. a, a very solid catcher. That's all you want. Uh, one of the prime uh, front office openings uh, is now available. The F- Philadelphia Phillies, their general manager, their previous general manager, is out and that is already being considered among executives around the league as probably the best gig that is available uh, in baseball right now. Yeah, Matt Klintek steps down from his position there, and the, right now we know about two, the Angels and the Phillies. And in both cases, actually, those are some pretty prime jobs. Now, the Phillies have to deal with the fact J.T. Riomuto, their superstar catcher, is a free agent after this year. But they have two aces at the top of the rotation in Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, and they have a... MVP caliber outfielder and Bryce Harper and some young, young talent, some young talent around there. So I understand why that people would want that job. And it's the commitment of ownership uh, to mm-hmm. spending. Uh, Phillies, I have to double check, but uh, you might know this more off the top of your head than I, but uh, their uh, farm system is middle of the pack. Yeah, yeah, it's upper end. They have one of their star pitchers came up this year, Spencer Howard, but they have some pretty high-end players. Dylan Covens has been around there for a long time. I'll check some of that. But those are the two right now. Obviously, it's uh, uh, who can build around Mike Trout. Uh, that's obviously the you know the best player in baseball. Just a matter of building around him. And then the Phillies, there's some very good pieces, uh, but they need someone who can uh, organize everything at the top. Again, whenever you have ownership commitment to spending, that's always an attractive spot for any GM uh, that is there. So let's ask you: If you are a GM, Phillies or Angels? Uh, right now, Phillies. I would agree with that. Uh, overall team is better, mm-hmm. uh, and you arguably have – no, Bryce Harper is not Mike Trout, but if you couldn't get Mike Trout, that's not a bad uh, uh, consolation prize. And Mike, they have the pitcher, right? We said yeah, the, eight, yeah. the Angels need the pitcher. Aaron Nola is rock solid. You know what you're getting in Aaron Nola. And Zach Wheeler, they paid up for him last year, and he's comparable to Dylan Bundy, if you want to say that way or whatever. Now I said – Trevor Bauer is the big name, right? Like if the Angels mm-hmm. go out and get Trevor Bauer, that's a matching Aranola, and then you're basically looking at two teams, and yeah, they're they're very close. But I would take the Phillies too. 
I'm already predicting that one, by the way. Eric Neander from the Tampa Bay Rays in their front office uh, is, I think, who their next GM is going to be in Philadelphia. Interesting. Uh, it's the, it's the, the type of job that is worth leaving for. Sure. Uh, yeah. If and, he's an assist, uh, he's an he's an assistant GM. Yep. Yep. I if you have a chance to upgrade yourself and you can go to the Philadelphia Phillies, that's a very good job to start with. So that's what I what I see happening there. We'll find out in the coming uh, weeks here when the we kick more into to off season mode. Uh, but the more uh, s- uh, sad somber. news, a uh, somber news from the the, the week. Uh, legendary pitcher Bob Gibson uh, passes away from cancer at eighty four. Uh, he. Uh, so many stories uh, coming back out. Um, MLB Network had interview with him and Bob Costas uh, talking about uh, his most memorable game of his career. Uh, good luck trying to sift through that I one. I to say, there's a lot. Uh, but uh, we were talking before we got started here. His 1968 season, I think, is the best season, the most dominant season that a starting pitcher has ever put together. Uh, I at least would like to see the argument of what's better, uh, and that would be a fun uh, conversation to, to sift through the rest of it. But in 1968, he was just uh, MVP, yeah, Cy Young Award. He took everything. 22 games, 260 straight strikeouts, 13 shutouts, an ERA of 112, still the lowest ever. and uh, Record in the modern era of baseball. They had a, that was the year that I think that they forced the mound to, down right because he was so good that they had to push the mound down because of his dominance i'm pretty sure that was after that year 1968 is sometimes called the year of the pitcher there was a lot of good uh pitching uh performances seasons that year uh his was at the top Uh, and uh the the stat that sticks out from that one is bob gisson was never taken off the mound that's impressive. The entire year. That's impressive. The only only time he ever came out of a game was when he was pinch hit for in the later uh, later innings. Otherwise, he had a complete game for everything. He was never taken off the mound the entire season. He, uh, as you said, the stories come up over and over again. Just the intimidation factor before it was cool. You know, we think of my time was Andy Pettit. I think of being intimidating in the playoffs, but Bob Gibson's a whole other level and didn't really. You, from everything you ever heard about him was he wasn't unfriendly. Joe Torrey said he wasn't unfriendly, but he knew what he wanted and he was going to try to win the game. And that meant doing whatever it took. Once he stepped on the mound, mm-hmm. he was a different person. People and who can do that all are great. business all the time. And you better play the game right or he will give you a lesson. Uh, and the, the the difference is the only reason why he was able to pull it off that much because you can't headhunt at any era. You Stuff would happen if you did that. He had impeccable control. So when he wanted to go in and do that, either he'd back you up off the plate because that was his plate and there was no question about that. But if he needed to hit you, he wasn't doing it to hurt you. No. Uh, he, he would send the message the, the right way in which that was, uh, in which that was done. Uh, but it was it was noted that even uh, one of his uh, catchers, uh, when he came out to the mound for a mound visit, uh, it was said that he shook him off or told him to go back down. They're saying the only thing you know about pitching is that it's hard to hit it. Uh, I think I got yeah, this. I, I would <laughs> some of those you hear some of those great stories about some of those Hall of Fame pitchers and having the catcher go out to the mound and they're just tell him you know I got this you know and Bob Gibson is absolutely one of them. It's actually kind of sad, especially sad, obviously, that the Cardinals have now lost two Hall of yeah. Famers in the last couple of months here. Remember, we talked about Lou Brock and now Bob Gibson, and then 
you know, sadly enough, they lose this. They lost their series that same day. So just a brutal time if you're a St. Louis fan. Well, and one more interesting note. Again, kind of uh, talking about St. Louis here overall speculation for next year. Uh, their longtime uh, reporter Derek Gold. Uh, he also had a lot of stories that he shared about uh, Bob Gibson in spring training. Was saying, "Huh, fooled them for another year, huh? <laughs> They're still letting you write that up there and getting and making a salary off of it." That's awesome. Every year he harassed him. Uh, but uh, Derek Gold's reporting that uh, uh, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright have discussed. Uh, pitching on a different team or together, as a tandem yeah. together on, on a whether it's with the Cardinals or on a, another team. So kind of an interesting one to see. Uh, Molina's not uh, what he was at peak. Neither one uh, of them is, but the, but they still have something left in the tank. Anybody be happy uh, to get him on a one year deal? Yeah, like a one, yeah. go in there and see what you got still. And they were both contributing to a team that made the playoffs this year. So and they're Absolutely. they are St. Louis legends, right? Like those guys 100%. have been there for multiple. Did they win two World Series together? I think they won two there. So, yeah, St. Louis Legends. But if they leave, someone will take them. Well, let's talk recaps from uh, this wild card uh, week. Uh, the craziness ESPN had there on their ESPN Plus, kind of their own version of the uh, NFL Red Zone channel, flashing into different games and key situations. Uh, last week and then this week still there's enough games with it. There's baseball all day long, and it's going to be with, with no off days. Monday to Friday, it's all going. Uh, so it's going to be uh, be interesting uh, uh, to see. Uh, but before we get to those, the the wild card games, uh, we have uh, we'll start of the American League. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays went up against the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, and uh, while the the Blue Jays are a team that you're going to be hearing in playoff contention for many years moving forward, the young talent is there. They're building the pitching. Uh, Ryu just had a a bad a bad start, but he was a big part of their success this year. Uh, but the Rays handled that one uh, in a quick fashion. Uh, Blake Snell, dominant pitching. Tyler Glasnow had it going as well. And so he had a, a 2-0 sweep. Uh, and your X Factor uh, was the difference maker in game one, Manny Margot, uh, helping the Rays to that uh, win and then ultimately the the series. I think we've all said Rays in two, and that's exactly how it worked out. Now, I thought Ryu would be better, and he will. And this is this is just a year of learning from the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are not done making playoff games. I think we both thought, especially when we heard that they weren't going to play in Toronto, this was probably a team that was going to miss the playoffs this year just because of other circumstances. So getting in there, even if it was two games and they lost them both, you want to get Boba Shet some young, get him some playing time in there, get him a little more experience. Uh, highlight of the rate of the Blue Jays for the last couple of games. Nate Pearson got in there and he looked really yes. good. Wow, that was the Nate was Pearson good. I wanted to see. Finally, the 101 miles an hour. He looked awesome. If I'm right, it was three innings. It was two I think or so, three, yeah. but three. I thought it was three. three. And he was uh, dominant. That's the Nate Pearson. That that's something to look forward to. This is a team that's building. It was a good experience for them this year. The Rays are clearly a better team, and we both thought that. The Blue Jays went 0 for 12 with runners in scoring positions in the series. That, that can't happen. You're not going to win games like that. Uh, my MVP of that series, if I had to give an MVP, I had a Randy Arozarena. You know, could have picked any of the pitchers, but Arozarena had three extra base hits and a walk and scored three runs in a two-game series. Now, the pitchers obviously were dominant, but Arozarena really had looking like a nice trade from St. Louis there. That was an underrated uh trade uh, a rare uh, rare trade especially from uh, the Rays standpoint they traded one of their top pitching prospects uh, Matthew Libertori uh, who is in the top 70 overall of MLB prospects by a, uh, a few different uh, categories 
Uh, MLB.com with their prospect pipeline was there. Uh, Baseball America, I believe, had it there too. Uh, so you have uh, and, and low A. This was not someone who was near majors. So this, again, a rare trade by the Rays. And everyone always focuses on the major league return first. And so they looked at Jose Martinez. Uh, but honestly, it was a Rosarina. That was the guy that they wanted in this trade. And he had a good uh, spring, uh, but then got COVID. Uh, and and uh, the delay of, of, of things there uh, pushed his uh, debut farther down the list than uh, I think than what was anticipated. Uh, but since he has come on the scene, he has been very, very good, and I'm going to be talking about him later uh, uh, in a different category as well. But, yeah, he's uh, you're seeing a new uh, key player emerging in Tampa Bay. That's awesome. Let's move on here, shall we? Indians-Yankees. So game one, we recorded after or during game one last week, and Shane Bieber went out and put up a disastrous start, and the Yankees offense came to play. Uh, Comments on Shane Bieber's start? Uh, I think the the Yankees already made the comments that (laughs) needed to be said by the performance. Uh, Definitely not the pitching uh, duel that was anticipated uh, in that series. a, I think the thing that I wonder, and I'll ask you this one. I think we talked about it briefly, but I don't remember if I got your answer uh, with it, so I can talk about it here. Uh, this season was so divisionally based uh, that it, it has led some to wonder uh, just how dominant the dominant ones are when in this series some people really got lit up or rocked. Uh, Shane Bieber had a, a very, very good year, and it's not to take anything away from him, but... Uh, given the performance outside of the AL Central, was he that good? Well, I, when we didn't even know that there was going to be all these extra playoff teams, the Indians were one of my wild card picks because I said they get to play Detroit and Kansas City. And Detroit maybe played better than we thought. Kansas City wasn't a very good team. Now, I still think Shane Bieber is the best pitcher in the American League. Maybe him and Garrett Cole, you could flip a coin there. I don't think he's as good. I think Jacob DeGrom is still the best pitcher in baseball right now. But Shane Bieber is absolutely a top-five pitcher. Did you see it in, in a few different stats? Jake DeGrom got better. Uh, his swinging strike his, rate is un, uh, absurd through the last like month. He added another mile and a yeah. half on his fastball I don't know how he's getting faster. Year. Yeah, That's the part. I, I, he's that's throwing insane. it like 99 now. With like a 90-mile-an-hour slide, his pitching is just unbelievable. He has not had a one whip. I just looked at this. He has not had a one whip in, I think, four seasons now. How a player like that can actually get better is beyond me. So, uh, But, yes, coming back to, to, to Bieber again, he's definitely the Cy Young winner and deserving of it. Uh, again, yeah. the Yankees' offense is clicking at the right time. They finally got healthy. They finally got enough at-bats to get going. It was a case of just bad timing uh, in, in all of it, and in uh, one start uh, a season does not make. So let's talk about game two, because this, I have in my notes, game of the year. Like, this was the game of the year. So it starts back off. Back and forth. Hours before this, we hear that there's a gale force wind advisory. 40 miles an hour is supposed to happen. Okay? So then it starts off with a rain delay. 50 minutes, we, re- we delay it up, and we start in the middle of a torrential downpour. It is just coming down in Major buckets. Baseball, what are you doing? I, they make it through not even the first inning, and I believe the Indians, yeah, the Indians have went up a couple doubles, and then they went into another rain delay. And it was like, this is your primetime playoff game. How did you not just delay it that long? 
I could not figure that out for the life of me. So after another half hour and rain delay, Josh Naylor doubles and the Yankees are down four to nothing after one inning. Masahiro Tanaka. And you're thinking, well, this is this is the, what we've expected. But Stanton hits a home run in the second and Urshela hits a grand slam in the top of the fifth and suddenly it's five to four. In the meantime, by the way, did I mention Josh Naylor? You see Josh Naylor became the first piece, per, first person to start his postseason career five for five? Nice. That's a good trade. That, you you get five for five? Out. Anyways, so five to four. Yankees are up. And then did you see that Phil Mayton throws one up and in on Giancarlo Stanton where Stanton stares him down. And they're thinking, this game is getting good now. Jose Ramirez keeps doubling and suddenly it ties it up. Six. Stanton hits, or Gary Sanchez, been real bad this year. Two-run home run. We're at eight to six, Yankees. And then comes the managerial decision of all managerial decisions. And it was wonderful. They pinch hit for Josh Naylor. He's now five for five in this postseason. And they pinch hit for him with Jordan Ludlow. Immediately. Everybody on the TV, everybody on the internet second-guessing this decision because how can you do it? And he doubles in two. And now the Indians are up 9-8 to eight off for a blue pit off Chapman, and they've got this, right? They could have been worse. Urshela makes an amazing diving play, turns a double play from his butt, but then hand comes in for the save, loads the bases, no outs. After a walk and a couple singles, strikes out Gardner. Gary Sanchez, deep fly ball, ties it up. And then DJ LeMay, who we've talked about over and over again, oh, he is does such a hit. hitter, singles one right back up on like a 50 hopper. It was a dribbler. He didn't even hit it that good, but hits it right where they're not. 10-9, Yankees win between the two in this game. There is 19 walks, tying a postseason record of nine inning games. These are patient hitters. Chapman pitches a four-out bottom of the ninth because he strikes out Mercado and he reaches bases to keep this game going longer. All I can say is if you didn't watch the game, if you can go back and look at the fan graphs win probability chart where it shows what your chances are to win. It is like a spike thing. It goes from Yankees to Indians to Yankees to Indians. Best game of the year. I was, I watched it until I believe 1235 in the morning here in Wisconsin. Those are the, the fun ones to see. And hopefully there's more of those yet to, to come this postseason. I, absolutely. Uh, when we move uh, move series? I just want to mention how good Gio Urshela was in that series. That was a yeah. revenge series for him. Uh, Indians actually traded Urshela away. That He would be my MVP of that series. I said not only did he hit the grand slam, he had timely hitting and played some awesome defense at third. But, yes, let's move on. Twins Astros? Twins Astros. And uh, it's, it's hard to even put into words uh, the streak uh, that no team wants to have. The Minnesota Twins are now 0-18 in their last 18 playoff games. I, I saw somewhere where the odds of that are so infinitesimally small. It's like more likely that you get hit by lightning twice in the same day or something like that. It is. It starts in 2004, and we are still going in the year 2020. And it's just, I mean, it's sad now. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. It's a good team. It was, and uh, it just didn't work out at the end here. They, if it wasn't one thing, it was the other. The offense didn't click when they needed it to, or the pitching worked out for a little bit, but then the pitching would falter, and then the offense would not uh, have enough. Uh, and it was a a frustrating series if you were a Twins fan, uh, but the Astros' offense showed some life. Slowly starting to come out of it. Correa hit a home run, and at this point, Carlos Correa is the most hated man in baseball. He is doubling down on all the Astros hate or whatever. And at this point, unless you're in Houston, as tone deaf 
as anyone could possibly be and then some. Yeah, at, we'll, we'll get to some of that later yeah. on when we talk yep. about the preview. But at, at this point, no one's cheering for Houston. And it, the second game actually starts during a down point two there. Uh, I would like to say that Alex Kirilov, my X-Factor, got in, became the first person ever to have his first ever hit in a postseason game, singled in the fourth of the second game. Uh, there was some questionable umpiring a game, too. I think it was, yeah, it was Eddie Rosario. He got tossed out of the game on a iffy strike call, but... It wasn't terrible. I, I watched that game, too, as much as I could, and it wasn't an awful call. So it, the Astros' bullpen was awesome in that whole series. The first game, remember, we talked about that here. Granke pitched short. He only pitched four innings, and they got five innings out of Valdez. No earned run. Game two, they got four and two-thirds innings and then give up an earned run. So if you get nine-plus innings in two games out of your bullpen and they don't give up an earned run, that's I, the Twins are going to have a hard time to beat, and – we talked about the Twins' offense all year. We thought the Twins' offense could be good and should have been good, and it was good, but when they really needed to, they put up two runs in two games. Yeah, that's as uh, as frustrating as, as it gets. The I guess the question is, Nelson Cruz, is he back? That's one of the big offseason questions uh, for them. Uh, I don't see them not spending for him, though, but we'll, we'll leave that that's... for an offseason discussion. Uh, then we get into White Sox and A's. Uh, and this was a, a fun series. Uh, the only to, series to make it all three games yeah. in the AL. And uh, it, back and forth in, uh, in different ways, as you'd expect when it gets to the, the game three final. Uh, but uh, the A's uh, kept up their winning, winning ways, and they're making it to the divisional round. So this one, it, it's very strange how this one went. Abreu was great for the White Sox. The, the White Sox offense as a whole it it just didn't show up it was not timely hitting is what I'm going to say it was not timely hitting and the athletics bullpen again another team incredible especially game three uh the the White Sox went in game three I don't know if you watched any of game three they gave up a leadoff single and they immediately started warming up somebody that's how this was so not such an important game and so I think Garrett Crochet, he came and struck out two, and then he left with a hip injury. If he could have kept going, it would have been interesting to see what the White Sox could have gotten out of him. But nine pitchers by the White Sox in eight innings in that last game and eight by the A's in nine innings. So 17 pitchers is the most in a nine-inning game. Uh, actually, Tim Anderson becomes the second player ever with three consecutive three-hit games in a series. Yeah, All that guy does is so hit. so good. All that guy does is hit. And I feel like he does it relatively quietly just because it's such a good team. I think you're looking at probably the most uh, anonymous uh, superstar because mm -hmm. uh, Abreu gets MVP consideration. Luis Robert has uh, all the recognition for being one of the best young players in the game and, and the potential for what he can become. Uh, but it's Tim Anderson. Uh, I'd say Eloy Jimenez the, gets more love than him, and I, I like. I, would agree. I, I think they're all very agree. good players. But I at this point, Tim Anderson is the maybe the best player superstar. on that player. Yeah, it's absolutely. He was awesome that whole series, but. The A's bullpen, man, that's that's exactly what they needed. The A's are a team that grinds it out. These are close games. I think the final score was six to four. That is a grind it out win to find find a way to win game. And I'm very excited to see the A's in the next round. Yeah, those matchups are going to be fun. We'll get to that after we talk about the National League. Uh, let's look at uh, Cubs Marlins. Uh, Cubs were the team that started out the hottest in Major League Baseball. Uh, I think it was about 15 and 3, 15 and 2. They were was good. They yeah, started. yeah, it was very hot. Uh, and uh, the Marlins, young uh, talent, 
uh, started coming together by midseason. Uh, they dealt with their own bumps in the in the road with uh, COVID-related issues to start uh, the season. But, man, did their young arms turn it on. That's and in this uh, series, it was exactly that. It is the young. That's my MVP. I have a young starting pitching. Alcantara in the first game goes six and two-thirds, gives up one hit. And in the second game, Sixto Sanchez goes five innings, strikes out six, doesn't give up a single earned run. If you have two guys that young, they didn't get to Pablo Lopez. We'll get to him in this next series. He's coming up. But the Cubs actually had the lead in game one until a couple of home runs in the seventh inning by some of the guys we've talked about. They signed him so cheap. Corey Dickerson and Jesus Aguilar. Before you know it, it's five to one, and the game was over. Although, notably, Starling Marte had got hit in the hand in the very end of that game. It, they thought it was a broken hand. Now it's a broken pinky. But there's some optimism he's going to play. Yeah, that's a huge one for them. That offense, they need as much length as they can get out of that uh, uh, lineup. So hopefully he can uh, play and be effective for them in the next series. Uh, yeah, so the young pitching, definitely uh, the the statement there for the Marlins. If we look at the, uh, well, I guess first before we jump to another series, Cubs, and we'll, Disappointing. We're, we're going to talk about them in, in the offseason. I think they're one of the most intriguing teams in the offseason. Do they bring it back as is? Do they blow this up? Like, there's a lot of questions in Chicago right now. I said that they're probably the most disappointing team in this postseason. Not to, there's others that are obviously disappointed with it. Cincinnati, we're going to get to them in a minute. The whole Central we could talk about, but uh, the Cubs, you know, they spent a lot of money on this team. Chris Bryant gave them nothing. Anthony Rizzo wasn't particularly good. Javier Baez was very bad this year. And those guys are very well-paid players at this point. And they should not be... Miami, I believe, has the second lowest payroll in baseball, if not the lowest. And they were a better team. Top to bottom, they looked better than the Cubs. And they're getting by on cheap deals. There are more questions than answers in Chicago right now. And that'll be something that we'll watch as the as we move into the offseason. Yep. Atlanta Braves versus Cincinnati Reds. If we want to talk another uh, disappointing uh, central team, as we were talking about there, uh, it never, it just never came together. And it wasn't the pitching. They had arguably oh. the Cy Young pitcher uh, for the National League right there. Trevor Bauer was as dominant as I've ever seen in a playoff game uh, in this uh, this generation. I have game uh, one on my notes as the best pitcher's duel in postseason history because statistically it is. So the zeros matching all the way through uh, Bauer's, uh, you either love him or you hate him. There's there's no middle ground with Trevor Bauer. Uh, from what he says on Twitter to how he performs and, and uh, within it, his uh, strut. His strut. <laughs> he's got that. He's got that Vince McMahon walk down. He he has that to a uh, to a T perfected. But then the uh, have to do the the Braves tomahawk chop at, yeah. as he's walking off yeah. the mound for the last time. Acuna didn't uh, like that one. Yeah, there's there's a few that that didn't uh, didn't care for that. But uh, he reminds me in that his personality is the same thing as AJ Pierzynski. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you hate him unless he's wearing your uniform. In which case, you're, it's all all nice quirks. Did you see that he tweeted out a picture today of his plane ticket to Boston? There's, uh, I think he he's the guy that loves to screw with people. Oh yes, he does. And so that's oh, all that, that was. It's yep. way too early to even think about uh, about any sort of stuff that way. But just to mess with people, and it works. It does. Uh, and uh, his uh, again, one of the prediction things we'll do in the off season is what numbers. What does he get uh, in, in the offseason? So we'll save that for then. Yeah. The Atlanta Braves, again, all they do is win. win. 
Uh, they find a way to get it done every time. Uh, Max Freed, still very awesome. good. Their other pitchers, they, they piece work it together, and that offense is still so good. Okay, so let's just do some facts about this first game first. Bauer becomes the first person in postseason history to go seven innings without a walk and 12 strikeouts. It was actually matched then by Clayton Kershaw the next day until he issued a walk in the eighth inning. So if he had just got taken out, he could have matched that. Uh, it's the first postseason game ever to go 12 innings without a run. It's the most combined strikeouts between the two teams. They strike out 37 times. That is 16 Braves strikeouts and 21 Red strikeouts. And the Reds put so many men on base in that first game. It's like every inning they put two or three guys on base in extra innings, and they could never punch it. Well, I don't. I think it was the 12th. Bases loaded, no outs. Didn't make a pitching change. They kept going with it. Strikeout, pop out, like fly out or something. Done. I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Before and- Freddie Freeman... Walks it off in the 13th. And that uh, sequence for the Reds, tell, that summarizes their whole year. Their whole, their whole year. This Pitching a, very good. The offense never clicked and got it done. And it's the same, it happened the same. The next day was another pitcher's duel. Luis Castillo was great. Five and a third. He gave up one earned run. But Ian Anderson, another rookie, just awesome young pitcher that the, at the Braves have found and struck out nine in his six innings without giving up another earned run. So... The Reds made the postseason, couldn't muster a single run, which has been, like you said, their problem the entire year. And the MVP of that series, it has to be the, the Braves pitchers. I said, two whole games without giving up a single run, 22 innings, 28 strikeouts. It's That was incredible pitching. We knew Atlanta had a great offense. If they get that type of pitching, even close to that, watch out. They're, they become one of the changer. teams to beat. Well, let's look at the the last matchup we got here in the National League from the wild hey, card round. Hey, we got round. two left here. Don't forget about That's the true. Brewers. The Brewers were still in the game. That's true. They at least, they, let's put it this way. We talked about it because it happened after it was on air. So we're going to talk okay, Dodgers Brewers here. Okay. Uh, but the Brewers employed the Blue Jays strategy. They did. Which was when you only have one uh, good starting pitcher left for all sorts of different reasons. Uh, for the Brewers, it was injuries. Corbin Burns was a huge blow for them. Uh, but so you do a, a bullpen day on d- game one. So this way you also have access to that bullpen on game three if you get there. Uh, Woodruff did his part. He looked very good. Yeah, he, was very, he got some poor defense actually out of him in game two, which cost him the three runs. But yep. the, first off, can we put the Clayton Kershaw can't pitch in the postseason narrative, playoffs narrative to bed? He, the man is human. I looked up the stats. He is like a 127 WRC plus in the playoffs. Like eight innings, one walk, three hits, 13 strikeouts. He looked as good as I've ever seen him look. And I said, I went back because, sure, I thought about it too, about how he's been bad. And he's just been, instead of sub-cyborgian or whatever he's been in his regular season, he's just really good in the playoffs, not... I said, unbelievable. So usually all that is, is his health wears down by this yeah. point. That's really what is the most, uh, most part of it. And now that didn't happen. And then the, we didn't talk about my X factor was Devin Williams. We thought he would pitch. So then you'd have, that was such a crushing blow to the fact that they the, couldn't use him either. Yeah. You had so many crushing blows or like the final blow and they keep finding new ones to add to it. Uh, I, I was, I'm intrigued with the Dodger or excuse me, with the Brewers, in the offseason, I want to see what they do. There's some young pieces that are there. Let's put it this way. Going into last year, you had, what, one starting pitcher and one relief pitcher that he said, okay, we can bank on these guys. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is question marks. 
And it turned out that the pitchers were better than the hitting, right? The hitting ended up, we thought we, I think we sat here and talked about how, well, they have all these hitters that they signed. Some of them have to work out and Jed Jerko worked out and sort of Avisael Garcia, but otherwise smoke was a disaster. Nervaez was been terrible. Sogard wasn't good. And it just didn't really work the way that they wanted it to. And now you have, you at least doubled uh, your number on the pitching staff, but with with very good. So it's, it's high, not a high end. So when you have two uh, very good starting pitchers and two very good relief pitchers, and you can build with that. Those are good cornerstone pieces uh, to look at coming into next year. So we'll take a look at that in the off season as well. But uh, got to mention Mookie Betts. Yes, he was everything that the Dodgers pay him to be. He had three doubles in the two games. He. Sets the table at the top. They, the very first game, they scored, I think, all their runs. No, they, they tacked one on. They scored three of their four earned runs in the first inning, and that's him setting it off. Very first batter of the game, hitting a double and going from there. So he looked great. That's why they're going to pay him a lot of money for the next dozen years or ten years or whatever it was he signed for. And we have the final now series now. Yes. Uh, San Diego versus St. Louis. Uh, and... Uh, there are some interesting moments with uh, with St. Louis, a couple of good home run shots that were there. Uh, but uh, I said coming into this one, and it was going to be this way for the entire postseason, the Padres will only go as far as Tatis Jr. takes them. Uh, and he was the X factor that I picked for this. And anyone can say, well, well, duh, he has to be the X factor. But Or for picking, it was not a, a big prediction. No, it's not. But if they are going to advance... He has to be that. This is who he has to be, and he was. I, the, the Cardinals had the one-game lead on this series, so the Cardinals take that first game, and Chris Paddock looked really bad. Like He had four earned runs in, I think, two in the first inning and ended up with six earned and two in a third, and it, the, the Padres looked outplayed that first game, and then they didn't have, we talked about it, they didn't have Clevenger or Lamette, and they didn't call it Mackenzie Gore, so... The second game even didn't start out well either. Davies had given up four earned runs before you could even blink. And then the Padres' bullpen stepped up and held them down, and then the offense kicked in. And game three, an entire bullpen game, the Padres' bullpen in game three was just incredible. Nine pitchers, nine innings, gave up no earned runs and four hits. The most pitchers in regular season or playoffs used in a shutout. It was awesome how watching the depth of their team and at one point, yeah, Tatis looked incredible. Did you see where they intentionally loaded the bases to get to Machado just late enough to pitch to Tatis? He's been at that uh, firing on all cylinders level. I think Machado got really mad that they just that they did that. He he hit it like a – you could tell he was staring it down into the dugout even. He was so mad that they were going to walk someone to get to him, and he hit a absolute bullet, I think, at third at that at-bat. And so they did, did work technically, but – Tatis is incredible. The offense looked great. Now it's just a question of they're going to have to go up against the Dodgers, and they need some starters. You cannot – a lot of those guys in that bullpen were asked to go all three games. You cannot do that against the Los Angeles Dodgers because they will eventually murder your guys. <laughs> like, well, And, again, you can pull that off against the, the Cardinals this sure. year. You're not going to be able to pull that off against the Dodgers unless something goes very, very wrong for L.A. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that they need to, to uh, figure out. So let's look at this. We have uh, four uh, four series here this week as we get into the divisional round. And like I said, it, to start us off here, you could not have asked for better matchup baseball. Uh, and true to the word, as this is the divisional uh, uh, series, the divisional round, that's what we have. We have four divisional matchups. These teams have played each other extensively in just a 60-game season, 10 games 
already against the opponent that they're going up against here this week. The one X factor to think about overall in all of this, we're going to talk about our X factor in each of these series, but the X factor in this whole round for all of these games is there is no off day. If there's going to be five games, it's five games in a row. And so your bullpen matters more. Your bullpen management matters more. Uh, your starters going deeper into games. There's no taking a guy out in the fourth inning uh, without having repercussions that you have to figure out the rest of the way. Uh, you will need every bit of your pitching staff to do this well. And so that's going to change the way this has been in different years. When you have that off day, you can reset the bullpen. You maybe can uh, pitch another guy, uh, get a, a couple of uh, uh, of your one and two starters back in this game. Your number one pitcher is going to be pitching on three days rest if you're using him in game five. So this is going to be a true testament to the strength of a pitching staff. That's going to matter in all these series. Which one would you like us to start off with? Let's start with your team. Yankees versus Rays. This one's going to be in San Diego. And I actually think that that makes a bigger difference than what's probably been talked about in a lot of these games. Not only because both teams are on the road, but like if this was played in a hitter's park, it favors the Yankees. San Diego, the third best pitcher's park in baseball, debatably, and that should favor your Rays team. This is the stable versus the evil empire. These teams <laughs> can't stand each other. That's already well documented. Even uh they have to stay in the same hotel, by the way. Brett really? Gardner has already said that he's passed a couple of Rays players in the hallway, <laughs> and there's just a, a no-look hay, and that's it. So these teams, Kevin Kiermeyer has reiterated, we don't like them, and they don't like us. There's going to be fireworks in this series because the Rays will pitch high and inside. Uh, the Yankees... Uh, uh, bats are feeling confident, they're feeling arrogant, they're feeling cocky, and so they're saying, well, that was uh, that was kind of like the preseason before. This is the real time so now. The, the Rays went 8-2? Eight 8-2. and 8-2. Two. Eight and two. Eight and two. So that's, that's awesome. That's incredible. But the Yankees, here's what I'll say about the Yankees. They played really well for a while, and then it almost felt like they like sloughed off. I, now, they had a lot of injuries. They fell down to 500 and then they like, oh, maybe we should try to win some of these games to make sure we get in. And then they ran off 10 straight. I think the Yankees are a really good team. And they are hitting on all strides at the right time. This team is different when that offense is firing on all cylinders and everyone's healthy. Uh, that's the biggest uh, difference here. And the biggest thing that a uh, Yankees fan would say about the Rays 8-2 uh, and two in the, the regular season against them is we didn't have Aaron Judge. We didn't have Giancarlo Stanton. For some of those games, we didn't even have DJ LeMahieu. Uh, There's a lot of players that were injured. The offense wasn't the same. Uh, I'll counter on that by saying, well, at least it's not going to be in the Little League park uh, that they spent a billion bucks on in uh, New York. It's going to have to be real hits, but these are guys who can also hit it a very long way. But they have other guys that are built. Like Luke Voigt has learned Underrated. how to utilize that yep. park. Glaber Torres yep. has learned how to... They have guys that have learned how to use that park. Sure, Stanton and Judge can hit out anywheres, and I'm not saying Luke Voigt can't hit it out of anywheres, but they have built a team that is designed to take advantage of that ridiculously short right field wall. And, and that's what you're supposed to do. Take yeah, yeah, home field absolutely. advantage. That's the point. Uh, so I fully get it. Uh, just as much as the Rays uh, built a team based on pitching and defense to take advantage of their park. So it's... This is an exciting one because there's – I'm going to change my X factor, and I, and I feel bad about this because I wanted to talk Randy Arozarena. 
That's because great. I think he's going to play a big role in this series. But with what I'm getting ready to say, the reason why I'm switching is because I saw it in the last uh, in game one of the, of the wild card series. Blake Snell is pitching like 2018. Blake Snell, he wants this. You can already tell his his demeanor is different. His stuff is very very good. Uh, he's back at his Cy Young self, uh, and that's going to be fun watching him versus Garrett Cole in Game 1. But the Rays are, uh, I think, the only team that came out right away and said, we have our first three games set. It's uh, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, and Charlie Morton. And what I've, only, what I've always asked for as a Rays fan is, I want to see what this team can do with their pitching at full strength. So here it is. Uh, it's our best versus their best. And uh, as much as I despise the Yankees, I- I'm looking forward to this series. This collision course had to happen one way or another in the uh, the postseason. And so that's what I'm seeing here. But I like Blake Snell uh, in that with with the secondary, Randy Rosarina, the Cuban defector. A fascinating story. An article was just written about him from MLB.com. Uh, so go check that out if you can. Uh, but this is going to be a fun series. And the difference in this, in this whole... Uh, Series here is what we talked about before, the depth of your pitching staff, your rotation, your bullpen, everything. The Yankees have the big-name stuff at the top. You have the $324 million man. You have the eighth-inning and ninth-inning lockdown guys that are there. Do you have the rest of it? If that offense is clicking, it makes up for a whole host of other warts and issues, but the Rays pitching staff is far superior on paper than the Yankees. I have it broken down on my notes in front of me. I have the Rays have the depth. The Yankees probably have the single best starter in the series. I think Garrett Cole is the single best starter in the series. But then after that, you take all three of the all three of the Rays guys absolutely ahead of Masahiro Tanaka at this point or J.A. Happ. Uh, the bullpens, I have both. They both have phenomenal bullpens, right? Both no these question. teams have phenomenal bullpens, but the Rays has been better recently, and so I'll take the Rays. The lineup, you, you, the, the Rays are going to piecemeal it together. They're going to play the matchups, and it will it, it works for them. Now, the Yankees have the best lineup in baseball, one of the top three, whatever you want to say. At this point, it is the Yankees have a better lineup. But the Absolutely. Rays piecemeal it together. The Rays have better defense. The Yankees have the worst defense statistically in the game. Now, that's mainly because Gary Sanchez is a horrendous catcher. But otherwise, I think their defense is okay. But it, statistically, it's the worst in the game. I have – I broke it down – I gave Kevin Cassius the better manager in this series. He's uh, pushing all the right buttons here, especially when you think of a team that can't rely on the big guns that way. He may have the stable and the uh, the pitching staff, uh, but it's different on offense. And he is doing the 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 matchup uh, baseball, the matchup lineups very very well. So I'm going to go to Max Factor. I have because at this point we're saying Garrett Cole is great, and it's going to it's going to get to a game three. And I, they're going to go Masahiro Tanaka in game two. Game three, the Yankees didn't have to play a game three. I think it's going to be J.A. Happ. And J.A. Happ had a 347 ERA this year, which sounds very strong. He's doing that with a 213 BABIP, which for those of you who don't remember, BABIP means balls on batting average on balls in play. 300 is pretty much usual. 213 is really lucky. And... That's, that's not what you want. You don't want to be getting lucky. You want to be striking guys out. He's walking too many guys. It, that's not the matchup that the, the Yankees want. That J.A. Happ versus, sorry, you said that Charlie Morton's going game three? Correct. So Charlie Morton, easily better than J.A. Happ. If J.A. Happ can have a good start, though, the Yankees need something like that. They either need to win game two or game three to get back to Garrett Cole because that's what it's all going to come down to. Can they get to Garrett Cole twice? 
and I think that goes to the the number one. If Garrett Cole doesn't win oh. game one, I don't see a scenario. Three. Yeah, I don't see a scenario where the Yankees pull that out. Nope. Uh, so to me, game one is a must win already for the Yankees to have that uh, that matchup uh, in in their favor. I have raisin four on my sheet. I have raisin four as as well. We'll see if I'm uh, eating humble pie in another week. I'll be surly on next week's podcast. I think you should feel good if, about uh, it. We'll see with it. But yeah, I I want to see this series. This is what it's about. Excited to see it. That starts Let's, tomorrow. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That oh, one starts yeah. tomorrow, right? Correct. The first game of the day. Yeah, that's know? no. It's uh, because they're playing the Yankees. It's all prime time. Of course. So it's uh, seven it seven or eight p.m. Uh, is the yes. the start time there? I suppose six or seven for Central time. Excuse me. Uh, so let's look at the other American League, uh, uh, one that will have some boisterous issues going on there too. Oakland versus Houston. This is another set of teams that really dislike each other. So Astros versus A's in Los Angeles. And when the Astros situation came out before the season, it was a lot of Yankees talk and how much they disliked it and some other teams. But the A's have straight up said, we don't like the Astros. Mike Fires is the whistleblower in this whole thing, right? Yeah. He's the one who came out and said, the Astros... I used to pitch there. Guess what? They're kind of cheaters. And so he plays for the A's. Uh, this is no no love lost between these two teams either. So remember, these are also the two teams that earlier this year had a fight. Ramon Laureano. The big brawl. That's uh, We'll see what goes on in this series too. I'm also interested to see if there's any more throwing at people or whatever. Uh, all I have so far is I have, I know Chris Bassett's going game one for the ace and Sean Manaya is going to go game two and uh, the Astros, you guess, you know, going to say that crank. He's going to go game one, but I do not have a game two even already for them. Yeah. I think it's still up and up in the air, what they're doing uh, with that uh, matchup. But uh, my X factor in this series is someone who hasn't done it yet. And I, this just seems like his type of series to do it. Jose Altuve. Uh, he has been uh, struggling all year long. Even in the the, the first uh, round of the wild card round, still wasn't clicking. He had a couple of hits here or there, but nothing that was being a a difference maker. Uh, I think he breaks out of it here. That's a very good choice. So I have Fran Valdez, just because Houston. It's Zach Ranky, and it's they need someone else. All these young yep. guys, and they've pitched very well, but. Now it's playoff baseball, right? It's I could have picked Christian Javier. I could have picked Jose Arquiti. It, I, you could put them all together. Like It is a bunch of young pitchers and Zach Ranke. So, I, he, once again, Houston has the best pitcher in this series, much like Garrett Cole for in, the, in the other series. But then I can look at the A's and say, Chris Bassett's pitched very well, and Sean Manaya. I know what I'm getting, at least. Frankie Montas has been great last year, not so good this year, but I know what I'm getting. Houston, you don't know what you're getting. So if they're good, if if one of those guys can win game two, once again, and you get to Zach Granke for a second time, I feel very confident in the Astros. Bullpens, Oakland showed in the last round. They have the depth to win. They can literally go bullpen games and win these games. So I'm going to say Oakland has the best bullpen. Now the Astros have felt fought injuries in their bullpen all year. Roberto Asuna has missed basically the entire season. Who do you think has got the better lineup here? That I'll go to Houston. uh, And – I think they're starting to. This was a team that didn't think they were going to be in it. Uh, this was uh, from losing Garrett Cole in free agency to uh, Verlander going down for pretty much the the entire year. Uh, 
to the funk of the offense. And some can say, and, and very uh, in a Schadenfreude-esque fashion, I say, like, well, when you don't have uh, bangings don't. going on, then of course your offense is going to be worse. I don't. I think that's overblown. Uh, I think you have guys that are. This was just that type of year with the with the target on their back and everything taking place in the COVID year, all the different stuff, things just didn't click. But they've managed to, with the expanded playoffs, just hang around, and they've been hanging around all year, and I think they're starting to realize through one series, like, you're... Uh, you get past this, you only have one team to go to make it back to the World Series. I think they're actually realizing they got a shot at this. And then they can rub it in everyone's face and say, look, we don't need the banging, right? This is how good we really are. And I think I think they would love to do that. And, and we mentioned Carlos Correa. He is, seems to have taken on this doubling down on it, and he's probably the most hated man in baseball right now. And unless you're an Astros fan or you've got a bet on them or something – all year, no one has pulled for the Astros. Nobody's pulling for the Astros. And I think they kind of used it as motivation. And, yeah, I agree. They have a better lineup at this point than the A's. You, the Astros led the American League in fielding percentage, and some of the other metrics show they have great range. So I put defense for the Astros. You're talking about two Hall of Fame manager and Dusty Baker, and Bob Melvin has done this before, so I certainly I didn't differentiate there. I have the Astros in five games. At this point, I think that they can win this. On paper, despite having the best fielding percentage and maybe the better lineup, I think on paper, Oakland's the better team. I just see that, that Astro offense starting to click here. I think that's what surges them past. Uh, and so I also have the Astros in five, which means based on our record of going together, it means Oakland's got yeah, this in that's three. That's right. They uh, feel but, confident for A's fans. But uh, Houston, I... I I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens in that series. Any final thoughts on that one? Mm, we're good. Let's switch to the National League. Let's go with uh, Marlins and Braves. And you were telling me before this got started, this was the series that you were most excited to watch. I think it's the closest. At this point, I'd have to go back and see, but these two teams seem very even to me. And this one's going to be played in Houston, so a very small ballpark. Atlanta plays in a very small ballpark. Miami plays in a very large ballpark, but... Miami's really fun to watch. Their pitching is awesome, and it's just a bunch of guys that seem to have worked together. It is a classic team approach. It's not superstars. Atlanta's got superstars throughout their lineup. It is an awesome team, and their pitching is was incredible in the first series, and hopefully it is again, but I really like watching Miami at this point. The Marlins... Uh obviously the young pitching and everything they got together here, but uh, Sisto Sanchez is the uh, uh, the biggest name of the prospects that are that are there. He's uh, also known they got him from the JT Real Muto trade, uh, but Sandy Alcantara has actually been out-pitching him for the last month, which is saying a lot. Uh, and that's, that's what my X factor is. I got Alcantara as my, uh, my X factor. Uh, I think he's going to have a... Uh, you need both those guys to be performing at high levels. But uh, Alcantara is, uh, has the, the power stuff as well to shut down a very good Braves, uh, uh, Braves offense. Uh, and the Marlins will need every bit of their young pitching to be in this series. If either one of those guys falters, this is a quick series for the Braves. I have Brandon Kinsler as my X-Factor, the closer for the Marlins, mm. who had an Excellent year this year for them. Pitched to a 222 ERA, and he gets ground balls like 
He pitches awesome. the contact. He is awesome. He gets so many ground balls because of that. And because it's on the ground, you don't give up home runs. So in a park like that, I have Brandon Kinsler as my X factor in that game. Now to get to that, they will have to have the lead, obviously. So Atlanta is going to let's go rotation again. So I think both these teams have a ton to be excited about in their rotations. We're talking extremely young pitchers, extremely good pitchers. I guess Max Fried is the most reliable in this series, which is saying something because he's like 22. After that, though, Miami has Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, and Pablo Lopez wasn't even needed in the last series. All three of those guys have been great. So I think Miami has a better rotation. Bullpen, uh, the Braves, they both have strong bullpens. Atlanta has experience. They put money yeah. at guys like Will Smith and um, this I is where you Mark need Melanchthon. him to shine. Yep. So they have more experience. I'm going to go with Atlanta lineup. The Braves still have one of the best two lineups in the National League. Freddie Freeman's got that hit we talked about. Is he going to get the MVP? Does he get the big hit? Well, he's the one who finally drives in a run in the 13th inning of that game. Yep. One Azuna hit a home run in the last series, I believe. Uh, Cunha hit a home run in the last series, if I'm not mistaken. So there are superstars in that Braves lineup. At Atlanta looks awesome. Miami plays together. It is not quite the same, though. Defense, Miami has below average defensive players in Aguilar, Garrett Cooper, John Birdie. A lot of those guys are below average. Uh, managing, I went with Miami in this one. I Don Manningly is managing the best of anyone. It's not a knock against Brian Snicker. I think he's an awesome manager. Don Mattingly is just pulling all the buttons. Even He's got those young kids believing in themselves. Starling Marte gets hurt. He put in Magnus Sierra, and he actually had an RBI in, in, the one, in the second game. So, I mean, that's just calling all the right shots at this point. This is the hardest game for me to pick, though. The, the hardest series, excuse me, for me to pick. Uh, what helps here, again, is you, you referenced Ian Anderson and his mm -hmm. performance in the, in the wild card round. Uh, if the Braves have a second pitcher to go with Max Freed, that's huge. Because uh, it's been freed and then everybody else. We've talked about that all year long. Uh, if Ian Anderson can be a reliable uh, second starting pitcher with this, that's that's a huge part. But in, this one's going to be neck and neck down uh, down to the end. I have Marlins in five. I just like the momentum of where they're at right now. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised picking either one in this, this series. And I have Atlanta in five games. There and I go. said I went back and forth on that also. I just think that Atlanta's I love the Marlins pitching. I absolutely love it. I think it's going to be great for years to come. But the Braves offense that they can put out there, the longer the series goes, if it goes to five games, you start to see the pitchers a second time. You start to see some of those bullpen arms again. I will take Atlanta in five games. That's going to be a fun a fun one to uh, watch. That's afternoon baseball for uh, for most of this week. Uh, so we're looking at our final series here, and that's the uh, Dodgers versus Padres uh, again, you have the team that's been at the top and the, the young, hungry team that wants to dethrone them. Uh, there's, uh, I wouldn't say bad blood, but there's a good rivalry uh, that is there, and that's going to be amped up in the in the postseason. Uh, the, the Dodgers, you know what you're getting. Uh, you have uh, Walker Bueller. You have Clayton Kershaw. You have the, the dominant starting pitching that you anticipate in this. Their lineup is extremely good. Uh, you, they may not have the, the moniker, the cool moniker of the Slam Diego Padres, <laughs> but that offense nickname. is still very good. But you have the young, uh, up-and-coming uh, Padres. You have Tatis Jr., one of the best, if not the best, uh, young hitter uh, in the game. Uh, he turned it on in the wild card round. Uh, it's just 
they made all the the, the trades the, at the deadline. Uh, they pushed themselves here into contention, but it's injuries that are holding them back. Now there's still the question. Uh, they sound optimistic that Clevenger can pitch in this series, but it was still up in the air at last that I saw. I'm looking at right now. Three hours ago, it was. This is on the LA Times. They survived. They hope to return, but Jace Tingler has said there's a chance that neither one, Lamette or Clevenger, will be back. And that's they're already going to be underdogs in the series. Uh, the Padres look awesome, but you cannot go without your best two pitchers, or two of your best three pitchers. Actually, I'm going to say their best two pitchers because Paddock is not as good as those two. So their best two pitchers and beat a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Padres are kind of like the up-and-coming team in baseball right now, and the Dodgers are the old, reliable team, what you know what you're getting. And I'm going to say it. I think the Padres are probably still a year away. So they've played great so far, but I'm not sure that this is their year. I was seeing a, a rumor here uh, that uh, Betts made it known that the Padres tried trading for him in the uh, this past uh, offseason before the Dodgers got the, the winning bid. And that's a big deal. Like, the, Can you imagine how good the Padres lineup would be if you put Mookie Betts on top of Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado? Oh, my goodness gracious. But And, and there's my X factor for now multiple reasons. So what could have been versus where he is. Uh, I'm sticking with the MVP uh, candidate here. Uh, Betts is the... Uh, the, the difference maker in what is a very good offense. He is the engine that makes it go from the beginning, uh, he from a leadoff uh, to those types of uh, things to later in the game when you're getting uh, chances with more people on base. Uh, I, I see nothing slowing him down now. He's been amazing. I'm going to go on a lower end a little bit. I'm going to take Jake Cronenworth here, the one that got away from the Rays, and he was gr- great in the first the wild card too. He had a home run. He stole a base. Hit 625, so obviously that's impressive. But even all year, like a legitimate rookie of the year candidate that was kind of a throw-in in the trade, if I'm not mistaken. A uh, As you learn with these types of teams that have the, the, the farm systems that they do, uh, they have them for a reason. They're excellent at scouting, not just at drafting. They're excellent at player procurement and player development. Uh, and so when you have a team like the Padres or the Rays asking for someone as a throw-in, you should always be concerned. Uh, I heard someone comment about Cronenworth as potentially uh, Ben Zobras 2.0 uh, with, w- without the uh, outfield experience yet. That's a very good comparison. Uh, and uh, that, would be, uh, that one makes me cringe. Zobras was my favorite Rays player at watching uh, from 08 on up. Uh, underrated player, could do a little bit of everything. Uh, and Cronenworth uh, is, is giving me those uh, Zobras feels right now. Yeah, I, I think he's the type of player you will see. That the Padres are going to need some serious offense if they're going to compete with the Dodgers. So if Clevenger and Lamette pitch, you could make the case that the Padres have a better rotation. Without them, even without one of them, you got Kershaw, you have Bueller. We didn't see Dustin May against the Brewers. Julio Urias came in in relief. We didn't see Tony Gonsolin. The depth of the Dodgers rotation cannot be understated how impressive it is. So I will say the Dodgers have a better rotation. I would agree with that. And I and I would say even if uh, Clevenger and Lament were, uh, were healthy, I like the Dodger rotation more in terms of postseason experience uh, as well. 
bullpens, I'm going to give it to the Padres because it's evidenced by game three when you can go nine innings of nine different bullpen guys. You have a deep rotation. And Dave Roberts even said after game one of the Brewers, he's a little worried about Kenley Jansen. He doesn't look quite right out there. And it, yeah, he's had some health things in the past. And I watched a pitch that, once again, midnight, 1230 in the morning, the first pitch he threw to Christian Yelich, who for some reason just took it, was just the biggest hanging pitch I've ever seen, and he just took it right down the middle. But he should have hit it. Story far. of Yelich's uh, season, unfortunately. Yeah. The lineup you have to give it to the. Uh, actually, you don't have to give it to the Dodgers. Who would you say? Because I'm going to give it to the Dodgers. That's the stronger lineup here. It's the stronger lineup on paper. Uh, the the Padres, uh, they've been having their their moments all the way through, uh, but I want to see that lineup. Uh, tested it's against the, thing, right? the, the Dodgers uh, pitching. They will bully on inferior pitching. That's not going to be this matchup. That's what gets harder as you get up in these uh, these higher rungs. Uh, and I think with the Dodger pitching, that is going to temper uh, the Padres' offense, but they can't counter the same way against the Dodger offense. I agree with that. I think the Dodgers... I've seen Mookie Betts in the postseason, and yes, I've seen two games of Fernando Tatis. I have not seen this much. Mookie Betts has got an MVP award, right? So I just feel like the Dodgers are more proven. Uh, defense, they're both very above average, but the Dodgers lead baseball in total zone rating, and San Diego had some really dumb mental errors in the wild card game, and that's – what's that? They're, they're young. They're still learning a lot of these guys. Absolutely. Managers, what, this one was hard. They're both so young – I put it. I actually gave it to Jace Tingler. I've been impressed with what Jace Tingler did. I think the Padres are ahead of where we all thought they'd be. I think they were going to be good. I didn't think they'd be this good, this fast. Once again, not a slight at all. Dave Rogers. Dave Roberts is a great manager. I a testament to uh, to Roberts that he's willing to speak publicly on Jensen. A lot of guys would keep a lid on it, uh, or do a, a Bill Belichick non-answer. Yeah, for uh, sure. So uh, it's. But it also it shows you how much you are respected in that clubhouse to make that statement because that could cause waves in other mm-hmm. places. Uh, so that also is a, is a testament to him as being a veteran manager on a veteran roster, and it works. Uh, but yes, in terms of someone who has put something together much faster than anticipated, uh, Tingler has done a, an incredible job with the Padres this year. So now we're at predictions. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'm going Dodgers in four. Uh, I, I I want to see the Padres push this one. I want to see this uh, go five. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing an exciting series, and uh, I want to see what uh, Kershaw uh, will do if uh, Tatis launches one. Uh, no one does the bat flip better right now <laughs> than, than Tatis Jr., <laughs> so I'm hoping to at least see a few of those, uh, but I just think the Dodgers were built for this. Uh, and uh, they have been clicking on all cylinders all year long, uh, and I, I don't think this is going to be close. As much as I want it to be, I don't think it will be. I have the Dodgers also. I, I said it, I think it's going to go five. I think they can push it to fifth game. The Padres' offense is really strong, but like you said, this is what the Dodgers have been. If it, The whole regular season, the 60 games, felt like a tune-up for the playoffs, and they're peaking right now, and we saw it. Remember, it wasn't – two, three weeks ago when the Padres had almost caught the Dodgers and it was, they're going to get to play each other. And the Dodgers said, you know what? You're still the little brother here. We're still the better team. So I think the Dodgers are going to, to to outplay them. Either way, as we look at all four of these matchups, uh, 
uh, get ready for some fun baseball this week. Uh, take advantage of this because we're this will be winding down uh, after this week with only one game on each side uh, as we get into the, the championship series. Uh, but for this week, uh, you have a uh, week long of baseball, uh, afternoon, uh, evening, and night. Uh, you're going to catch it all. Uh, so uh, take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, we're in uh, uh, NBA Finals going on right now. We have uh, for, like, football that's going to, thanks to uh, uh, COVID, we're going to have potentially Tuesday night football uh, and other things within it. We'll see what happens, but there's uh, uh, at peak time. Uh, for for sporting events, so enjoy. I think if you want to watch basketball, you better watch those soon because the uh, Miami <laughs> meter, Miami Heat are pretty beat up there. So I think the Lakers are going to sweep that one. So if you want to watch quick. basketball, get watching. But yeah, this, this is this is the week for baseball, and so tune back in next week. We'll recap all the games we heard that we saw this week, and then preview of these ALCS. Enjoy playoff, enjoy playoff baseball, folks. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.